Hey there, listener. Welcome to the Deep Share Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Rouse, and for the last couple of decades, I've slowly been opening my eyes to a very different world than the one I grew up hearing about. And the more conversations I have with interesting people, the more mystifying this world becomes. So without further ado, let's get deep. We've got science to celebrate! Demons list now! Off your butt, Come on! There is rebellion in the wind. It will be crushed. Everything I've said is true, it's real. Dinosaur fossils? I'll have to put those here to test our faith. That damn lie! I, I saw them on my own eye! Did I accuse just drop sharply while I was away? We did illusions, man! None of it is true! I'm not insane! This is mass madness, you maniac! In God's name, you people are the real thing! We are the illusion! Welcome back to the Deep Share, everybody. I'm here with the alien scientist, Jeremy Reese. It's nice to finally meet you, man. Welcome to heck, the show. Heck yeah, man. Uh, where where in mass are you are you guys? I'm a little north of Worcester. So maybe like probably an hour, hour and a half from from that area, I think. I would oh, say. what, like Gardner? Yeah, actually, Lemonster area. Lemonster, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. from that area. But I've been to Pawtucket many a times, you know, yeah. traveling around. But I haven't been there in a while. I've been kind of sticking in my own state lately because Lord knows I don't even know what the rules are about coming back to my state. Who knows? <laughs> oh man, well I'm right here on the border state, uh, right border town, and my my family lives in mass so like i'm back and forth all the time back and, oh, you know good. yeah yeah that yeah. was one thing i wasn't sure like um even during the big midst of it right when it first started you know um it wasn't that crazy you know it was it was like it wasn't getting pulled over you know even mm-hmm. driving across state lines but um there was border patrol set up at like i remember seeing a checkpoint going connecticut to rhode island and they were uh, pulling people over and stuff because I had I had made a trip down to the lab, I think, during it. And uh, so I was coming back, but they didn't even bother me. And um, but they were pulling people over and I heard stories about it and, and stuff. But uh, I haven't I haven't had much of a problem. Of course, I drive a white van and and uh, it just looks like I'm an essential worker going to work. So. Yeah, yeah, that probably makes them not even look in your direction, you know? Yeah, I'm just invisible. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't had much trouble either. I mean, let's face it, most of the chaos we see is probably from screens and not in our own backyard necessarily. You know, maybe that's because we're not in huge popular cities. I don't know. But uh, so let's... uh, It hasn't been bad out here, the outbreak and and so much, but um, even like somewhere the reaction has just been crazy with the governments like uh, in Australia and Melbourne's like the Portland of Australia, pretty much. It's just going crazy with the videos I've seen online. That's pretty nuts. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because like I wanted to mainly talk to you about you know, UFOs, UAP, that kind of stuff. But at the same time, like, I know that you have 
you have your hands in a lot of other, you know, conspiratorial areas more so oh, than the whole than conspiracy. That. There's a whole conspiracy community that's gr- grown up within, you know, UFOs isn't the only conspiracy. It's probably one of the oldest ones and, and one of the most popular ones. But uh, there's so many other, you know, once you go down the rabbit hole and you're like, wow, if the government could cover up all this stuff and, you know, keep it from the American people and like, wow, they they literally just admitted this year that, um, you know, they actually study and keep data on UFOs and lots of other governments around the world do it too. And, you know, that we ought to have a, a public, you know, program with Congress and all that. It's it's like, wow, it's they're just finally, you know, bringing this out of the woodwork. And it's it's come on. There's so much stuff that that they lie about. And it's not just UFOs. And and uh, we need to be we need to question everything. Right. Question your reality. Oh, yeah. I've taken too many psychedelics to just take everything at face value, man, especially the the uh, the alien, the UFO situation. I mean, let me ask you this before we'll get into your background. We'll give the audience, you know, get to know you a little bit and what you do, but real quick, let's just set the stage here. Um, are you more of a nuts and bolts kind of UFO guy and there's no wiggle room or are you very open-minded about what we're actually seeing out there? Well, I'm more of, I'm more of like, I want to convince my professors. I want to convince the academic community. I want to convince the intellectual community that they need to start questioning reality because there's too much indoctrination that goes on. I believe at like the top levels of, you know, they, they rely on this institution for the education, for the, you know, this is the version of truth that, you know, we pay all these people to go and, and write for us. And, and it's, like, well, they all certify it and stamp it, but that's what we call the mainstream, right? And that whole mainstream is just, it's accepted and promoted. And anyone who questions it, you know, that's why I think that there's so many crazy conspiracies that just come up, you know, like flat earth, right? I'm not a flat earther, right? Uh, by any means, I'm not someone who just completely rejects all science and just says like, well, I can't believe anything. I can't believe any institutions. I can't believe any of this knowledge base. And um, I'm someone that re- really comes from an academic background and, and uh, knows and tries to understand, you know, and make sure I know the academic curriculum and what these smart people know and then they, they just haven't been indoctrinated that i'm indoctrinated too to their line of thinking but i'm also considering other things and, and trying to poke holes you know basically that i'm familiar with the wall of the castle that they built and i know I, and i want to know where the, all the weaknesses are that i can blow the cannon holes in in the wall you know what i mean i'm, I'm like trying to fit that boundary between the fringe and the reality I'm at that, that, that I'm at that meniscus of the bubble. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. It's funny. You, you brought up flat earth because I have a number of, of fellow podcaster friends and, and myself at times included that find ourselves in the middle on that bridge, but all the way out there. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't want to talk about flat earth, by any means on this episode, but it is curious that like, maybe you can help me a little bit because of your intellectual background with that topic, because I've had David Weiss on and he has very graciously, 
answered my questions and I don't have any better answers for it, but I will admit I'm not a scientist. You are literally a scientist. So maybe we can go in that direction for a minute, but I don't want to spend too much time there, obviously. But before we do any of that, let's, um, let's do a little bit of background. Let's get, have my audience get to know you a little bit, Jeremy. Okay, so, what, so how did you get into this? How, um, how did you become the alien scientist? Well, you know, I, I got into physics probably like 2000, 2000, uh, right after high school, you know, and probably in high school, I read a book in, in high school, I actually read a book uh, by Richard Feynman called Surely You're Joking, Mr. Feynman. And it was about how he went into the Manhattan Project, was recruited out of MIT, like at age 18. And he was a genius that went to go to work for the government and developed the atomic bomb. And uh, he witnessed all that kind of secrecy and stuff. And, and uh, that was got me interested because I had, you know, grown up with unsolved mysteries and Bob Lazar and all that kind of stuff. So I've always been interested in the whole weird, you know, mysteries that are out there, you know, is the government hiding aliens and is the government hiding this and that? I mean, they hit atomic bombs and had, you know, 400,000 people working on the Manhattan project that didn't know exactly what they were working on, even uh, despite the massive efforts that went into that. Um, so it's super interesting to me that, you know, that's what got me into science. I was always been interested in physics and chemistry and biology and just learning as much as I can about the world, you know, like, well, how does, how does that work? You know, how does the chemistry work and, you know, how do, you know, the orbitals work and how do you do calculations to, you know, to determine, um, you know, specific heat, like how hot do I, you know, free the Gibbs free energy equation, how hot do I need to heat a mixture to until these reactants will actually start to mix and react and, uh, form other bonds. And, um, and when, when do bonds and, and all that kind of stuff, how do molecules work? How do atoms work? How do, how does, how does the subatomic physics work? How does quantum physics work? How does, how does everything in this universe sort of fit together in, in a, in a big puzzle? Um, and so that's always been, you know, what's driven me since, you know, high school, um, went to college, got my degree in physics and, uh, and I've been like digging deep into, you know, all this alien technology stuff since probably 2004, 2005, when I first started getting into conspiracies and, and read behold a pale horse by William Cooper, um, sent me down all these rabbit holes of trying to re of research and stuff. Um, all kinds of great information that's, you know, give me good insights about how the, how the real world fits together and how all the, you know, the sinister characters on the, on the scene fit, fit together. I've always been interested in the, in the darker, you know, more sinister aspects of society and our culture and stuff. So I, I, I tend to get into stuff that a lot of people don't really, uh, like to get into sometimes a little bit morbid sometimes but uh you know come out i i think we come out on top especially with some of this if we if we want to get into all the conspiracy on this corona business and and, and that because uh there's a lot of disinformation that's being spread right now you know that's i don't think that's logically sound it doesn't make sense you know yeah like I, I totally agree man i mean on both there, sides you know there's people posing as doctors and saying that the 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 vaccine's going to kill everybody who took it and and in 10 years they're all going to be dead and and it's like this just these doomsday you know stuff that just make they're put out there to like really scare people and and I think it's a lot of it's bullshit and uh 
You know, it's also it like doesn't the Hegelian, make sense. It's like the Hegelian dialectic too. It's divide and conquer over and over again. That's their favorite yes. tactic. It's the most ancient one of all, you know? Thing is, right. If they kill all the obedient people who took the vaccine, all that will be left is all like the disobedient people that like don't believe, you know, are, are yeah, us assholes. You know, so <laughs> it's basically going to be all the hardest people to control in society. So it's like, what are you going to do? Like, you, you know, you, yeah, that's what I've been what thinking. happens when all the cops. Right. So all the cops that are on the police force. Right. Are forced to take the vaccine. So assuming that this is not there's a bigger conspiracy like they're all given. So all the all the this that's when the conspiracy gets deeper down the rabbit holes that all the cops are given saline shots. It's all fake. Mm-hmm. And even the president. Right. Which who, who got that shot on the fake White House stage <laughs> that it's all fake. And and uh, I mean, <laughs> Where do you draw the line, though? That's the problem. Like, and that's where I always go. It's like, and I know that it sounds like an easy way out. Like, well, you just can't trust them to do anything. But can we really? Because it feels like we're trusting like psychopaths on one level. But on most others, we're like, yeah, you can't trust them here. But eh, they're probably not lying over here. You You know, it's so hard to decipher that. You know, it's it's almost maybe it feels better to just go fuck them all. I'm not right. trusting anyone. Well, it's you know? like, wh- oh, you're just questioning the entire medical establishment, all of medicine. Modern medicine has advanced so much since, you know, we used, we didn't even wash our hands, you know, hand, they, they talk about ha- how hand washing was introduced. We didn't even know about, you know, they used to have hospitals where that they didn't even know about washing your hands. They used to think that everything was spread by demons. And then this guy came up with this idea, this crazy theory that there were these germs and these microscopic things. And if you washed your hands, you could get rid of those. And that that was what's what was what was transmuting the disease and all these doctors are like no it's it's spirits and they were convinced you know like it was the medical establishment of of 200 years ago 300 years ago and that was like a big turning point when they were like oh you know there are these microscopic things and look we've invented a microscope we finally have the optics to go under the microscope and see these things and and wow there's amoebas and and paramecium's and and all these little um creatures tardigrades look at look at all these things swimming around on that on that level you know and and like wow it's almost like there's like a fractal nature to reality where there's little things and bigger things and bigger look at this we're discovering a whole new world and it makes perfect sense along with philosophy too you know it it it's I'm sorry, I went off on a tangent there because a lot of people just don't even believe that electron microscopes are are real. Yeah, because there's rabbit holes there, too. You know, it's it's ridiculous where it's just going off in as many different directions as anyone can think of. And well, it's pretty rough. If you don't believe electron microscopes are real or if you don't believe in technology because you haven't really experienced it, like it's one thing to experience it and then like. I don't, I don't know. You have to ex- you have to get experiences and there's there's a lot more than just your internet and sitting at your computer. Absolutely. And yeah. um meeting people and 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 gaining access to those act- that actual equipment and having hands-on experiences is, is key sometimes. Um and building things on your own because if you're just sitting there and criticizing the world and being, you know, a sophist and saying that oh just nothing nothing's real and I'm just going to be a debunker and a skeptic, you're not actually going to get anywhere and and not actually going to do anything or accomplish anything. Um so yeah, just treading the wheels, you know, stand still. You're just a naysayer, you know, you're just mm. thumbing thumbing down your nose at everybody and everything that comes along and, and instead of being like 
well, what we're doing is we're saying, all right, well, Stephen Greer says that, uh, you know, a lot of things um, he said, yeah. but uh, um, one of the things he said that interested me is this nuts and bolts thing about the, the science, NASA scientists and the, and the physicists at NASA figuring uh, out anti-gravity back in the fifties and keeping it covered up since then. So I was like, well, that's just like super intriguing. So if they have, let me, let me, so I did, I've been doing research into anti-gravity for like 15 years and getting, a, I have a database now with every single paper of every declassified study. And I know pretty much everyone in the field. And I, I think I've, I've, I've routed out the physics community, everyone in the physics community so thoroughly um, through the literature that I don't think there's anyone out there that's under that. that's not on my radar yet. You know what I mean? That that's ever published at least, you know, because I'm so familiar with the literature up until this point, everything that's mainstream, um, including a lot of stuff that isn't, you know, super mainstream, that's, you know, in the underground, it's still talked about, like, you know, stuff that's been being researched for 20, 30 years, that's not really well talked about, and stuff like that. And that's what my channel is all about and is into. And it's funny when people in the U this UFO community, like David Wilcox, you know, come along and he says that he's got a hangar and he's going to start his own aerospace company and he wants funding now and people to pay for a college to go to school and take classes on anti-gravity. And it's like, boy, we have the curriculum. I've been holding these conferences and I've been getting the experts to come on and present and, and give their lowdown and we have it all for free. You don't need to pay 333 bucks, man. I should be charging for this stuff. It's like, well, that's you know, so you hit it right on the head, though. David Wilcox is paid by, you know, BlackRock subsidiaries and things like that because Gaia is owned by BlackRock and they're the controlling interest over that whole Gaia TV network. So, I mean, you know, you could call him David Wilcock. You can call him the rebirth of Edward Casey, which he claims to be as well. I mean, that guy, it's funny in my notes here, I literally have, can we please talk about David Wilcock? So I'm glad you brought him up because I mean, I like your perspective from this in this community because of exactly what you said, you do the research and you, you go out and you do the experiments. I You're have documented way like David Wilcox course on anti-gravity I've heard so far covers the Philadelphia experiment, the Philadelphia <laughs> project, which is that that whole thing um, back in the, with the USS Eldridge where they tried to turn it invisible. Apparently they rigged it with three giant Tesla coils and they were doing frequency research to try to make it invisible. Okay. He, what does he have on that? I, I, I go well, well beyond that. So the whole concept of electromagnetic the whole concept of radar which tesla helped develop i cover all that back to, to there the military research that was going on that everything that was involved with einstein you know theoretically going through that period i I've, i can talk about all this stuff and i'm, I'm so we, we sent the first course to see like what he's got that we don't know about yet and um I could go in way more detail about all this stuff. So project Philadelphia project was nothing compared to project rainbow. And this all started with what was called um, nuclear magnetic resonance, which was discovered by a guy named Edward Mills Purcell and Felix bloke and uh, Purcell headed project rainbow for the CIA, which was basically a, 
a project to map out the electromagnetic frequency response of all different types of materials and arrangements of materials. And that's what led to the discovery of metamaterials, which uh, could, you know, led, led to invisibility cloaks and a lot of that other, other research um, that was done out there. So a lot of that was classified and it was, you know, serious physics research, but does he teach any of the math does he teach any of like the the real science does he get into like the real you know the real data of of those projects because i i don't believe that data is i believe a lot of that data is still classified it would be great to you know get get that that kind of data of course we have a lot of interesting stuff like i've covered in my i did a video on the whole 5g and uh electromagnetic frequencies conspiracy of for non-ionizing radiation and the harmful effects of of those and there's a turns out there's a whole um group that a scientific group uh that studies this and they have all of the biological effects documented in a um it's like icnirp as it ic let me find if, if i can find this sure yeah wasn't there also a declassified russian document that was talking about frequencies in that manner and and the danger i you may not have seen it i i hey it may have been disinformation yes. too i'm not sure so this is called icnirp.org and it's the international commission on non-ionizing radiation protection and um you can go on there and download the pdf and it's basically like um a guide of all the academic literature it's a bibli check the bibliography it will give you all the studies of every frequency that does anything that affects anything biologically that's not ionizing and um, typically ionizing radiation um, will be absorbed by the skin, the first layer of skin, and it will, uh, and it has, can cause cancer in the skin, but it won't go inside your body and cause cancers. And, you know, typically they're really high energy might like gamma rays and stuff, but um, that's not covered by this again. Um, but yeah, like, I get into like the, the real nitty gritty science of, of all this stuff. And, and um, like you mentioned, you sent me something on Dan winter. Yeah. And, his uh, stuff has been really fascinating me lately, but I, I haven't been able to one have the time to really read through, like read his book yet or anything, but man, it's I got to get him on the well. show. I'm going to get him on the show and I'd love to hear you know that. What I mean, I'd like to like, <laughs> I'd love like to get to you just, both on. <laughs> I'd just like to test what he knows about regular um the way we typically do a lot of these calculations because he doesn't seem like he's I, I read through his thing and it just seemed like he wasn't familiar with some of the literature on you know how normal physics does these things. Mm -hmm. You know, because he claims like, oh well, I can I have this model that can do the same thing as you know Einstein and Schrodinger, and that Einstein's wrong, and, and I have this other model that's better. And there's a lot of people like that, you know, and that that's that's a big claim for a lot of people in physics. I mean, Einstein was the greatest physicist who ever lived, you know. So when people like question him, it's 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 kind of like an ego thing. But it's also like a. Um, it's also if especially like if they don't have math, you know, because physics, the language is math. And if you don't have if you can't do like the tensors of general relativity and really know how that math works and demonstrate a working knowledge of that, then it's like a lot of mainstream physics doesn't take you seriously. Um, 
Right. So, you know, well, he's got some interesting ideas and um, about how fractals and different types of, um, you know, math work into these explanations of our, of our nature, of our universe. I don't think he's got the, the quantitative part, right? He's got some of the qualitative parts. He's, he's recognizing some of these patterns, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have like the quantitative part completely figured out as far as I can say. And, he, and he's missing pieces of the literature which have this figured out. And, mm-hmm. you know. So would you say he's making big claims that maybe aren't spot on, but perhaps with some more rigorous science, we could actually find something new and interesting about what he's saying? Because it's that always seems to be the pattern I find with pretty intense minds like that, where they have an original idea and they're almost there. They're a little off and they need some help with something. You know, you, 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 you humanize it, you personalize it, no matter how much you try to stay objective from your work sometimes. So it's like, and I think people do that with psychedelic experiences, near death, you know, we humanize and personalize every, everything we're working on or working through, you know what I mean? But in there is some sort of nugget of, of uh, uh brilliance almost or or yeah. perhaps something you know what i'm saying do you see something in there that's i mean you want to have him on so that seems like this this whole theory that he's working on might have something of interest i've just had a lot of people talk about his work and i i just would like to get a team of scientists uh, to like really break him down and see if we can get that nugget out of him mm-hmm. and um and clarify you know, some of these things and also clarify the parts where he might be a little bit fuzzy, mm-hmm. you know, Fair enough. so like, but- for example, you know, calculating all the spectral emissions of hydrogen or any other element, you start with hydrogen, If you can calculate the spectral emissions of uh, hydrogen and um, the atomic orbitals and all that. And then, and then we can go from there, but um, you know, just, coming right out the rip and saying that you know einstein was wrong and that he, he's you know i don't know <laughs> well let's uh let's change gears for a minute here and uh you mentioned bob lazar and i wanted to talk talk uh, about him for a minute just because i really i grew up loving his story and f- being fascinated by it and it gave me a lot of like energy towards that that same idea, that movement that, oh, they're hiding everything. And this guy's are, you know, one of the good guys, he came out, he sacrificed his, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I know that you feel similar to how I feel about Lazar. And it's hard because from a, I think from someone who's just observing someone like Bob Lazar. Man, I used to, when I, I tell you what, back in like 2004, 2005, when I was first getting into this stuff, I used to be on forums violently defending Bob Lazar and, and and thrashing out these debunkers. Yeah. Like you guys are idiots. Like you don't do any, you don't know anything like it. Or I'd be like accusing them of being disinformation agents. And I'd be like, there's no way that you could come up with all this stuff. And like, and I just didn't have time for it. Look at his face. Look at his face. I want to believe this is true. He's an honest man. That's what he's I was telling say. the truth. Look how look how look how sincere he is. There's no way he's making this up. And 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 I and then I start I dug dug into it deep, deep and deep and deep. And I just was argue, arguing every day about this with people and like, you know, on forums and stuff. And and then 
you know, I met people like from DARPA that were like, oh, well, and I asked them about it, you know, like you meet people at MIT and I, I grew up in this area. I used to go to MIT and try to talk about this stuff all the time. And, and I'd meet people from the Navy. I'd meet people and I'd walk right up to these people and start talking to them about this stuff. You know, you believe me, <laughs> nice. damn right. You know? And so like, maybe like, no, listen, bro, that's not how it works at all. And then I'd be like, you guys are disinformation, you know, but then I, I listen to them. I want to hear them out, you know, like, and start really learning. And then I start getting some insights about the ins and outs of how this all works, you know, the, why the, these guys from the Navy are up at MIT attending conferences or, or meetings and stuff like that. Cause it happens all the time. Yeah. Why do we have X DOD, you know, superior officers doing alien talk shows and stuff like that? I don't know. It's, well, a, it's, it's a weird it's, current it's, world that we're living in. That's not, that's a whole different world though. I realized that, you know, that a lot of this, that John, a lot of that Bob Lazar stuff came from John Lear and John Lear was this guy who's connected with all the wrong people like John Alexander and the U S army uh, counterintelligence um, and psychological warfare divisions and stuff. Yeah. These guys are like the Kings of disinformation and, and, and um, deception and, that kind of stuff so so you can't really trust anything that comes out of uh that crowd of people um but you can't really trust anything that comes out of anyone and don't trust anything i say do your own research and, right. and like i say you know and um, experiments I, and experiments is what we've been doing we 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 track down all these you know scientists who worked on all this stuff all these lists of experiments and we've been going through all of them from Bifeld Brown to Alzafon, what we're at now um, and trying to uh, trying to replicate what was done in the past and the insights of the physics that were um, gained from each of those experiments over the years and over the decades by the different groups and the different people that worked on this. And I tell you what, there wasn't the, just one, it wasn't just one, People think there's this one lab that's been, you know, Battelle's done some stuff, right? But I mentioned Battelle as being this one that goes back, way, way back. And they've certainly been of interest um, on the radar because, you know, they go back to 1928. They wow. built the Demon Core. They built the Demon Core for the plutonium core for the atomic bomb, for the Fat Man bomb. Why did um, we call it the Demon Core, for Christ's sake? Yes. No wonder conspiracy. No wonder, like, our whole community is riddled with, like, you know, evangelical righteous, like, fire. It's ridiculous. But then like, the, what gets crazy is Battelle and the Atomic Energy Commission, which has been the those are the guys that ran the Manhattan Project and kept all the secrets during World War II for all the atomic physics. So they've been like in the business of keeping secrets in physics and science secret from the greater public since World War II. Um, and they run all of our, they manage all of our national labs. They have the contracts to manage all of the national labs in the country and they have for decades. So, so Lawrence Livermore, you know, Oak Ridge, Los Alamos, Sandia, all the, all of our national labs are managed by Battelle and the atomic energy commission, which basically means that if there's any free energy or anti-gravity that's invented in any of these places, it's getting scooped up by this superstructure that exists within those entities. Right. And the, those are the entities that 
uh, Congress and the UAP task force ought to be talking about and looking into in their, um, their investigations, which I've, I'm trying to lobby my Senator on that a little bit. It's, it's been difficult getting access, but I will. And it's, it, it's, it's going to happen. And I'm going to, uh, educate him on a lot of this stuff and give him a debriefing of, of a lifetime. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill nice. like listen i'll be like whatever the pentagon's telling you i can probably tell you <laughs> i could probably tell you just as much if not more this <laughs> is like i've pretty much that's run a the, claim <laughs> dude i pretty much run the x files weird off record for you know like the past 15 20 years man so I, awesome it's just like put <laughs> so much time into this it's like i had i i didn't i had a, a, i lucked out too i lived in my parents i lived with my parents for like they let me live with them for like almost 10 years after college well during college and, and all that so i saved a ton of money and mm -hmm. i just spent all that time doing research into like all this stuff so yeah. I have accumulated so much stuff that people wouldn't even have the time. They'd have to pay. They would have to pay an agent at his desk to do this mm -hmm. and think the agent, whoever they got working at the desk, he, he, I can't imagine that he'd be more into this than I am. No. You know? And plus he'd be compartmentalized. He'd get one little piece of it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he wouldn't be able to get the whole, like the big picture. And, and so I don't know. I don't know. I'm definitely up. I'm definitely at this point in my life with the experience I have and the, the context and the, the knowledge and stuff that I dug up, I'm up there with anyone that they could possibly have working at a desk job in the Pentagon. On the That's awesome, man. Well, power guarantee. to you, man. And I hope someone out there hears you in the right spectrum and like, Fucking, I don't know. Oh, you know, they are. They already on, are, man. So APEC uh, got picked up. The debrief uh, did an article on a uh, the the conference that we we've been running, wow. uh, the, the Alternative Propulsion Engineering Conference or APEC, and uh, that article has gotten picked up by like every mainstream science website on the web, pretty much, and it's going like crazy viral people are talking about it like what mit and darpa and nasa scientists are meeting like and talking about anti-gravity this is crazy and it's like well yeah they are because we've got so much real shit accumulated that we're talking about that it's actually getting you know serious attention mm. and um that's way bigger than any video that Jeremy Corbell's ever released that gets New York times like, and all these, like it gets so much fanfare and so much, you know, coverage in the UFO community. And, yeah. and I've just like, I hate those people because it's just like such a distraction. They're, they're involved with disinformation agents. It's the for, like, view for the UFO community. It's worse than that, man. <laughs> it's terrible. It's... And the UFO community, I'm sorry to say there's like a good, Good portion. I'm pretty disappointed in the past few years. And I can say that with immunity because I'm part of it. And it's and you so are you. And I'm sure you feel that same sentiment where it's like, how are they getting just swept up by these? Characters? I get viewed. Bad I get viewed. Actors. 
Well, I get viewed as a bad actor, a bad character because I'm an asshole. Yeah, because I'm a mass hole, right? <laughs> or, or now uh, you're a scientist and now, like, unfortunately, well, no, I'm not really the baby a out with the bathwater. Because I, you know, be, despite all the, despite having a degree in physics and the fact that I've spent 15 years waking up at three in the morning every day studying, you know, physics papers and, and reading through the curriculum of everything that DARPA and all these people have done, like shit that you would like, these people have no idea like the de the depth of how, de how you know dirty and down i've gotten on these subjects mm -hmm. and they come talk to me like because i'm in, because i say a couple one twitter post that i have to fit 150 something characters and to talk about jeremy corbell and i just talk trash talk you know a guy like jeremy corbell and they're like oh who the heck are you why aren't you on joe rogan it's like come find yeah, out come <laughs> why not you know yeah. well, come find out there's probably a, maybe a bigger maybe a reason maybe yeah, i don't know unfortunately don't, maybe there might be a reason you know crazy well crazy, again it's but, the view for the ufo community and right back to that mm, i got on tim reason pool. they're I all characters one big, i got on one oh, no big shit. show i got on tim pool's show because i know uh ian and i've been taught i've talked to him and some of his buddies for like years now. that's crazy and, yeah uh, i grew so i grew up with his co-host cassie now <laughs> it's so like he just uh put cassandra on his show i grew up with her i'm like holy crap so wild so weird yeah but congratulations well, that's what's on happening that. is that people our age who know each other from back in the day are starting to you know de establish themselves in, in these positions so it's mm -hmm. it, it's key and that uh was you know that's an organic lead you know i work something i worked towards something that, not like jeremy corbell it looks like everything has been handed to him he got george, he got a hold of george knapp and george knapp said oh this is my yes man this guy's gonna def you know be like the guard dog i can put you know on with with bob lazar because mm. you never see bob lazar go on alone and, and or, or have, have, any, a have a debate and he's always got like someone on with him it's like come on man he's got a handler exactly mm. it's yeah like, come on it's so obvious at this point so, <laughs> i want to think calm. i want to think george knapp has just kind of become like a gullible old guy but i can't really think that way because he's sharp as a nail and he's not an old fart you know the man is an investigative journalist it's like uh, what actor. do we yeah i know i didn't want to say it jeremy <laughs> man i don't know george knapp and he's not my friend he I've seems never like been a cool nice with him. old nice i've talked grandpa. to a lot of people that have you know been associated with him and stuff but you know i asked yeah. td i asked td barnes about him oh really because you know, uh td barnes is the head uh, of special projects out at area 51 and and um i asked him about you know what, what do you think george knapps you know he said like that he was telling george knapp the bob lazar story was crap and george you know, didn't want to listen to him was just, you know didn't understand mm -hmm. and he, that he couldn't understand that he's like man it's like i'm trying to save you you know this one's you know, and it's not going to gain you credibility, but I guess it does. It gains some credibility with this say. crowd. It's like this whole crowd yeah. is like this is divide division line of people that want to believe, you know, Bob and, and this Independence Day, you know, version of reality that we have, you know, intact craft. And then this whole Wilson leaks debate, you know, do mm -hmm. we have intact craft? I say if we have intact craft, right, it wouldn't be out at Area 51, all that stuff. Right. But when Area 51 was was coming out of the woodwork in the eighties, right. When it was becoming exposed and they had to like basically go mainstream with it, with a disinfo story to cover up what was really going on out there. Right. So all the project rainbow, all the invisibility research, all that cloaking stuff, right. It had to stay covered and it did stay covered up until about 2005, 2004, when I started exposing it on the internet. <laughs> nice. um, 
but uh, so it did, it did, it, it worked. It's well, it worked well and it's working well still today, you know, currently to keep a lot of that obscured. Uh, but the way I look at it is right around the time period, area 51 is becoming mainstream public uh, knowledge through John Lear and through other people um, that leaked information about the base. So they needed to come out. But, but by then, by 1980, you got to understand Roswell was 1947. That was covered up by 52, 54. They had built, you know, alien hall and uh, the whole Wright Patterson, um, what would become Wright, Wright state university, this whole tunnel complex, Apparently, which I got to go investigate that whole thing. This is this is my whole whole uh, spiel yeah. is, is that they they basically like covered up. Um, they built a whole facility at Wright Patterson um, Airfield to house the whole new the whole new stuff. It was all underground at, at the new Wright Patterson. Then they built this. So right as they were building the second Wright Patterson air pit base, like they built all these underground tunnels supposedly during the forties. And like, that's where they hit all that. That's where they hit all this stuff. So the, then the rumors about area 51 being the place where all the alien stuff stored and taken were started, you know, later on. Cause you know, area 51 was of course open. They needed another space. But by then I think all of it was underground at, at Wright Patterson mm-hmm. in these, these tunnel complexes. And, S4, and I don't know where it's gone since then. That's not even a real base, is it? S4, uh, S4 is a real base. It's at Tonopah Test Range, and it's actually the Russian uh, radar facility. And um, that's where they tested. They, they basically would rebuild the Russian radar systems and then test their invisibility tech against the radar, the Russian radar, so they could have a, a working model of the Russian radar systems live. And that's what, what basically went on, went on at S4, the uh, Site 4. Mm-hmm. at Tonopah test range, which some of that information leaked out to John Lear at the time and, and um, what wound its way into Bob Lazar's story. Cause right. it was what there was some, cause every bit of disinformation has got to have a little bit of truth woven in. And absolutely. And that's what Bob even says in all of his interviews, because it's like, I mean, I go on some really weird paths, but to me and listeners, you'll be familiar with revelation of the method. They're telling you what they're doing while they're fucking doing it and that's kind of how i feel about richard Doty as well what's your take on his input in the ufo community hi i used to be a disinfo agent now i'm with you guys definitely yes well that's not telling you what we're doing what richard Doty did is that we were developing secret aircraft and we were doing special projects with the air force and, and and contractors who were building things and testing technologies and things that were real Okay, Mm -hmm. stuff that is actual. And what they were doing is spreading disinformation to the people that this guy, you know, Paul Benowitz, who had started filming and and, and becoming aware of some of these things. He was like, he was a local. What is this going on? So they spread all these disinformation to him, telling him it was aliens and they were beaming stuff into his house and, 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 you know, dressing up as aliens and, and visiting him and doing all this weird shit. Right. Why? to cover up for real technologies and real programs that were going on real money makers. Okay. Big time with business. Them, that's what, that's what the businesses is. the contractors mm-hmm. that are doing their job and they need secrecy and they need people not to be paying attention or really digging in too deep. And Paul Benowitz had gotten too deep. And so um, he was, became a target of uh, Richard Doty, who was, you know, one of these special operations guys. So you got to think that whole um, Mirage Man, 
video is, is, is a good introduction to ufology because it teaches you what is really going on with this U, a lot of this UFO business. A lot of the UFO business has been used historically to throw people off, you know, what are special projects that you may not understand the physics of. And it's much easier to understand, you know, aliens and spacecraft and, and weirdness, right? That's the Jeremy Corbell dumbass, you know, version of, the, of, of reality. It's much more difficult to understand the types of technologies and, and exactly what they're doing to create these effects and create these things and, and to dig into the, the real physics of gravity. There's a million dollar. So, so David Wilcox and, and all these other people like Stephen Greer, they think that they can, that anti-gravity has been already figured out back in 1954 or 55 um, with the Bifeld Brown effect and Bonson labs or whatever the, you know, I, the, the research that was going on back then that I could tell, um, you know, there's a video of Bonson Labs with Bifold Brown doing a uh, toasting. That's one of the archival footage that I found. They, they, they're celebrating, they're popping a cork of champagne after doing some of these experiments. And so that was there. And John Lear's dad is actually in one of the videos, mm. which is kind of weird. And uh, so like that was this whole theory. I, I was like, that's where I traced it back to because Stephen Greer and, and Tratt kept on saying 54, 54, 54 was the year. So I'm like everything in 54. So I, I got, went through everything that it could be possibly 1954. And that's what I had found of, of that time period. Um, but it was actually maybe 55. Um, but it was in that same time period anyways. And that's mm. apparently when they figured it out. And but that's not anti-gravity and I can demonstrate that in a laboratory and show that I can use it for propulsion. I can use it for lift, but it's ion wind and it's pushing air molecules around to make that propulsion. And it's not actually defying the force of gravity. Mm -hmm. And that is the requirement to win. There's a million dollars, actually a million euros, which is more than a million dollars. I think mm. that the euros more than a dollar now. Um, yeah. But it's a million euro prize for anyone that can demonstrate a physical experiment where you can shut off gravity or um, things become immune to gravity or you can affect uh, gravitation. So that's, then that's where it stands right now. And that's where our lab and a ton of other scientists, there's, there was 470 scientists that were signed up weekly to attend our conference. And that number went up to 600 and uh, 33, I believe, maybe even more. It's probably gone up even more, probably past 700 now that that, that article has gone viral um, advertising the conference. And we meet and we're, we have a team of, of uh, engineers working on building these experiments. And uh, sorry, we have a bunch of us all over the world actually collaborating internationally on this effort. Um, because we want to win that prize and we want to prove that we can build a machine that affects gravity. And I want to prove that it either did or didn't happen back in 1950s. <laughs> yeah. And then so far we're proving that it didn't. That's you know? really interesting. Hmm. Just more disinformation, most likely. Just to scare us into thinking we've been lied to I maybe longer. Or so I found a lot angles. of this stuff was the Cold War, man. I think a lot of this stuff was the Cold War and it was convincing the Germans. Uh, I mean, convincing the, the Russians and the, the and the Chinese that we have this stuff. 
mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, just like the remote viewing thing. I'm super skeptical of that. I, you know, like was, I really think that that was our effort to convince the enemy that we could read minds, you know, wasn't it the other way around though? I, we were at least told on the public facing side, once it came out that, that the we were copying yes. the Russians. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's, again, it goes back to, can we trust even any of it? Because the stories about remote viewing, especially the, the one that the military loves to tell is about the woman who, you know, located a downed aircraft mm. and they found it right away and it was right there. And that's what convinced me. I can't remember who's might've been, who was it? I can't remember the name, right. but um, she could have gotten lucky. The other thing sure, too, maybe. Uh, the, that was another thing, right? Because uh, uh, this guy, you ever seen the rigged horse race? Well, this guy, Darren Brown, did the horse races where he convinced the people that they were like they were the winner because they got to like this. They won five horse races in a row, mm. but he just did it with such a big pool of people that that no matter what, one person would end up be the winner after five rounds. Right. And uh, that other people would drop out like really early on. It was like he set it up behind the scenes. So that it was just random, you know, like, you know, statistically, there's one person that's going to win every time. And then it says there's 14 horses in a race after five, you know, ap- so 14 to the fifth power, right. Would be how many people you need to put in your pool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you'd get one of them that would win five horse races in a row, which is like statistically insane. I mean, if you were, some, if you, if you were getting a random emails and someone told you to go to these races and you won five horse races in a row, Right. Would you bet? And they got these people to bet insane amounts on the sixth horse race. Right. They had won five in a row. So they got like collected all the money from all their friends and family and bet it on this horse. And then they lost them, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, but it's, I, it, it, I didn't it get is, to sit down with a way. I, I haven't seen this. I haven't. I've heard these. I've seen these articles and stuff that were put out. And it's like, again, this person who wrote this article was a CIA agent, a career CIA agent. And it's like, I can't trust anything that they say because they yeah. work for the CIA or their published studies is like I have to end. Indip- you don't understand. Like someone's like, oh, well, I, you should see this as a scientist. You should value that as a real scientist and look at her credentials. And it's like, doesn't mean shit, bro, if I can't reproduce it. If I can't fucking go into my remote viewing or, or find someone that can repeat this shit re- repeatedly, mm-hmm. you know, like apparently this Pat Price guy or this, uh, the, these Yuri Geller even, or some of these guys were yeah. really exceptional at, at doing this. Well, Hey, well, Dean Raiden's works pretty intense for sure. <laughs> Are you sorry to cut you off there? Are you familiar with Dean Raiden's work? No, I, I haven't heard of him. Look before. into him then. We we'll, won't go down that rabbit hole. But yeah, he's doing a lot of interesting. He's trying to base it all in science. He's a scientist, but he's it's uh yeah, just look at I'll send you a link or something afterwards. But yeah, I'll Yuri Geller out, was man. that guy I was going to mention. Like, I didn't get a chance like Yuri Geller to sit down with some of these remote viewers and 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 work with them and and be one and and do these experiences it's like it's all hearsay really but i don't know i mean there's a lot of different weird angles that we could go down there because it's like yeah i mean there's a lot of weird physics going on (laughs) there's a lot of weird yeah because it's all reaction and and intuition and sense a lot of it's sensory and people that are more in tuned with different things and they have to be in tune. You have to have the right person who's in tune with the right thing to pick up on it. If you know, like, because 
just think of like intelligence perspective. If we're trying to analyze a situation, you know, look at have have five different of your friends analyze a, a video, and, and make it even more obscure. Make it a video of you know the the two Taliban meters leaders meeting that you you know. Now you have to translate it, you know, mm-hmm. and you have five different interpretations and five different translations. And how do you know which person has the best one? This is like something that naturally happens in intelligence collection anyways, whether you're whether it was a team of remote viewers doing the intelligence collection or a team of, you know, actual field agents. Mm-hmm. So so this is, you know, it, it just. I, I've, I've dug into this and I've looked at it, you know, in terms of, you know, I don't think it's a substitute for those field agents. I don't no, think it's, no. you know, you need those field agents to go out there and collect the active intelligence. And then you need maybe those remote remote viewers, I guess we call them the, the sensory kind of people um, would be a, a more um, my, my way of looking at it or thinking about this. I, I think of the people that are just in tune to a certain different type of thing. And, mm-hmm. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. So they have to kind of like be able to pick up on those little cues that other people wouldn't necessarily see or, or pick up on. I don't know. That's my, no, my, get, my sense. Of, I hear of you, it. man. And a lot of it's cold. I think a lot of it's done through cold reading, but um, cold reading is a skill in itself. You know, if you think about it, if, if you really look at with Darren Brown and some of these other skeptics, the guys who, you know, who do this stuff repeatedly and convince people that they do have these powers and then tell people how they do it. Um, he, he, he describes it, you know, he describes like what, what it entails and it entails like a sense of just awareness and being in tune with lots of different cultures and, and, and aspects of humanity. It seems like a lot of these types of um, studies go right back to, you know, meditation, those kinds of practices. Um, there's a lot of work being done in science with, with that. And it seems to be that quantum physics kind of paralleled these um, new perspectives, should I say, at least in the Western world, when they came about, it's like the 20th century was a, an amazing time for, for science and spirituality in a way. And it seems like they kind of dance around each other, like a double helix, a lot of times, but right now it seems that they're so at odds with our own personal sovereignty. If you want to kind of relate that into spirituality a little bit, you know, and I know, I know kind of where vaguely where you stand on this current issue. And one kind of last topic I wanted to, to ask you about was because you have one foot solidly placed in the crazy tinfoil hat world. Like I do, what do you think about, an agenda behind some of this technology moving forward with the, you know, cooperation from some parts of the government, maybe the shadowy parts, because what I see and what a lot of the community around me sees is things like the WEF and Klaus Schwab and agenda 2030, you'll own nothing. There'll be no privacy and you'll be happy. You, you link all of this stuff together, including a lot of the science, including a lot of, making people fearful of real science, you know, all these different areas come together. What do you think the, where are we headed right now? And is there a a fine, is there a good way to not throw the baby out with the bathwater here with all this amazing uh, science without going down their horrible rabbit hole in the future? 
Yeah. Well, I think that literally what's happening is, is we're almost being assimilated. We're almost like, it's like the, these, you know, it's we got me like to question, like, <laughs> or it's question. It's got me to question some of these people. Like, you know, is Mark Zuckerberg a cyborg? <laughs> you know, like is, are, is Bill Gates literally like, you know, are these people literally androids, you know, working, you know, and then, Elon Musk, why doesn't SpaceX have a warp drive division? Why aren't you sending having people look into this? I hope that article that we published gets some of your people's attention that, you know, maybe you think it might be a good idea to, you know, throw invest some money in, into anti-gravity technologies or a replacement for rockets that, you know, you spent so much time perfecting and developing for SpaceX. Now you can get these rockets to land backwards and, and on a platform in the middle of the ocean, like perfectly. Wow brilliant um what's going to replace those in yeah. a thousand years and and maybe you know can we shorten that thousand years to a hundred years because this is what you seem to be all about but then you come out with Neuralink, and you want to link our brains to c- computer chip interfaces and and mm. uh, brain interfaces and 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 that kind of stuff man that's like that's like bork technology again and and these people want to spend all this money on contact tracing and uh you know because we want to battle the virus and it's not just about the virus it's about you know it's about total information awareness and 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 then they they the the smart dust that i was talking about two years ago three years ago that they said was you know ridiculous and that you know no one's developing it now we get pictures of it right and that's that some of those meta materials you, you were talking about right they're yeah they're um there's different technology that's going on to the designs of this stuff. I'm not exactly sure where they're at and what level they're at now, mm-hmm. but I'm sure the stuff we're seeing was the stuff that was just rumored about back then, but I'm surprised that no one had pictures of it. You know, like everyone, you know, there's people with microscopes and stuff that they're spreading this smart dust around this. Someone should have found it and, and took pictures of it. And I think that that might've been what happened and why they, they leaked it. But, and I, again, I have, I have to, you don't know, I don't have nearly enough information awareness of what's going on out there and everything, but the smart dust is interesting. Cause it, yeah, it, it's like, it's like RFID tags, like those things that can tell if you're leaving the store or not, but they can, they can track it. Um, with not just merchandise that they just get these smart chips go on everyone. So they can track any, anything that moves individually. So first they were tracking us all with our cell phones, but now they get stuff that can stick to your clothes and can track you around. And I know that they were using it to, you know, spy on agents or potential, you know, field agents and stuff and catch a lot of those people. And now with this, this contact tracing and, you know, supposedly for Corona, it's, it's definitely made them way easier for them to trace down, uh, you know, agents and people that are meeting with, you know, who's meeting with who. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How many of us that don't trust the government are hanging out together or, you know what I mean? Yeah. How many people who don't trust the government are hanging out together? Did Have they had any contact with, um, you know, uh, this, you know, particular desk agent at the local, you know, Russian embassy who we suspect to be a spy? Uh, and where has he gone and who has he had contact with in, the, you know, the last seven months? Everyone. Mm-hmm everyone that they that 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 this man has had contact with and now we we can trace that and go mm-hmm. through that um, so we need more so, people to think like we do about these people just but cold I, read them 
it's not just that. So, so there is, there's a lot of freedoms that we've given up with this new technology and, and a lot of that, like, right. That's not, that's happening naturally. And of course that that's going to be the stuff that they're going to build because, you know, these intelligence agencies have tons of money. They have a need for that kind of information and that, and the, the asset that that brings us. But what happens when we reach that point? Cause we're, we're approaching it, right. We're almost there. We got the cell phone. I admit that, you know, like I just carry it around with the fact that like, I just, just, I just, expect that that president biden and, and my entire fbi surveillance team is sitting there watching me through my cell phone i just accept that now it's like fucking part of my reality it's it's crazy mm-hmm. sorry for the sorry i first f-bomb i dropped it that's just <laughs> that's like right. that's just a crazy concept that's crazy that i'm even saying that that's like this isn't the reality that i almost accept and we've now and we've asked it's for like, all of it and we've dotted we've signed and and everything on every step of the way it's been about our consent you and know. it's 20 years later, right? I'm, I'm almost 40. And I just remember being 18, reading 1984 in, in high school and Winston Smith, uh, thinking about Winston Smith in that telescreen that, mm-hmm. you know, like in his room, that followed you around that you couldn't get away from. Well, guess what? It didn't, it didn't have to mount it on our walls. We carry it. We'll, in fact, I paid like a thousand bucks. <laughs> Probably 1400 bucks for this thing. You know? Yeah. So, the, really. the, the monsters are always this thing coming to get you in the movies, but the metaphor is always about the thing that you willfully hold on to. Yes. You know? <laughs> so it's kind of nuts. Uh, but yeah, we are approaching a crazy time because technology is going all these different directions. And, and it's like, so that's why I always look towards, you know, what's the absolute future and how do we get out of the trap? Because, you know, as Elon says, humanity must survive the great filter. Well, let's understand that filter and mm. see it literally around ourselves and what's taking place. You know, um, where is that filter going to be? It's going to be in the greed of the people that just see the money and everyone can't beat the system. So they join it and uh, everyone's just going with this system which is again the system is going to push ai and it's going to push us towards this we're going to become the borg all right you have to realize this if you watch star trek it's right? not conspiracy that's the, that's what people we're, need to understand it's not a conspiracy it's part of this system it's part of the machine it's the right? automation they've Sometimes, always been automated they've always wanted automation in every level that's part of their compartmentalization to me it's just more of the same automation. It's like not a lot of people have to know the whole picture. They're cogs in the machine. Let and it run on its own. Sometimes you have to physically throw yourself upon the cogs, upon the levers, upon the mechanisms to stop the machine from working at all unless we can be free. And Beautifully uh, said, Jeremy. <laughs> Dude, thank you very much for coming on. And I, I would love to have you back sometime. We can get into like the actual experiments you do. There's many more questions I could have asked, but I won't keep you too long tonight. But next thanks time, again. And- next time we're going to have you in studio. You got to come down here. And we're Hell gonna- yeah, dude. Sounds good to me, man. Awesome. Well, Hell tell yeah, my no. listeners where they can find you. I'm on alienscientist.com or youtube.com slash alien scientists, uh, Twitter, alien underbar scientist, and uh, also check out altpropulsion.com and the APEC conference that we run. 
Yeah, man. Please check out Jeremy's website, alienscientist.com, because it's a wealth of information. And, and you have a whole archive of these documents that most likely are not found anywhere now because it's like they had to release it. But OK, OK, good enough. Take it down. It's gone. It's gone. And then they just vanish from sight forever. So, I mean, Jeremy's really done his homework on this stuff for a long time. Check his stuff out. Everybody have a great night. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Deep Share Podcast. If you want to hear more, then hit that subscribe button. Follow me on all the social places. And remember, think for yourself, but don't always believe what you think. Till next time. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, cactus carrier. Enough, I get the point. <laughs> you meddle with the primal forces of nature. <laughs> and you will atone. What do we know? What do we know? If I know what we know, then I can tell you what we know, and if someone else knows, okay? <laughs> <laughs>